The Wall, President Trump's biggest promise since his campaign began in 2015. When he began to make claims about building a wall on the U.S.-Mexico border to keep out undocumented immigrants, one of the biggest questions was who was going to fund it. On the campaign trail in 2016, Trump promised Mexico would pay for the wall. Now, three years later, after long negotiations and a standoff that caused the longest government shutdown in United States history, Congress and the President signed a defense budget that allocates nearly $1.4 billion for the wall. Trump initially asked Congress for nearly five times that amount. On February 15th, nearly 13 hours after Congress passed the spending measures, Trump announced that he would declare a national emergency to obtain the additional funding for the wall. And we will have a national emergency, and we will then be sued, and they will sue us in the Ninth Circuit, uh, even though it shouldn't be there, and we will possibly get a bad ruling, and then we'll get another bad ruling, and then we'll end up in the Supreme Court, and hopefully we'll get a fair shake, and we'll win in the Supreme Court, just like just as he predicted, 16 states and a plethora of nonprofit organizations are suing Trump. And two days ago, House Democrats introduced a resolution to block the national emergency. They argue only Congress has the power to set spending budgets. I sat down with three Stony Brook students to discuss its impact on our nation and why it all matters to college students. So I'm Sarah, and I'm sitting here with three students. You guys want to introduce yourselves? Yeah, uh, my name's David Clark. I'm a applied mathematics and statistics major, um, and I'm a part of the Long Island Immigrant Student Advocates. And I'm Karina Gary. Um, I'm a junior journalism major, and I just feel like the topic's really important. And one of my good friends is a DACA student, and so the whole issue of immigration is very important to me. My name is Melissa. I'm a senior journalism student, and I am a DACA recipient. I feel very strongly about this topic. Okay, so first off, when did you guys <coughs> first hear about the wall, and what were your initial thoughts? Huh. Wow. <laughs> I actually remember this because it was, it was his campaign, uh, one of his main platforms, and I got into a fight with someone Memorial Day 2016 at Smith Point Beach, and they were like, Mexico is going to pay for the wall. He's such a good businessman. I'm like, why would Mexico? It just, to me, it was so blatantly obvious that Mexico is not going to pay for something they don't want. And this guy could just not comprehend that. I really, I wish I could find him now and be like, hey. But, you know, <laughs> gotta let it go. <laughs> I remember because um, I listened to a lot of, I, I'm Latina, so my parents listened to a lot of Hispanic news and Jorge Ramos he was a very uh, he's a reporter who got into a tiff with Donald Trump when he tried um, challenging him on how he was going to get that done and it was actually pretty big news um, but I remember hearing it from that from that altercation that they had yeah I, I don't remember what the first time it was but I definitely just remember when I first about it like this definitely seems racist like we're not talking about a wall with Canada we're solely talking about the southern border so, so now things have obviously progressed and um, now we're funding the wall and the recent bill signed by um, Congress passed uh, 1.375 billion dollars for the wall um, before that there was the whole government shutdown um, holding federal workers basically hostage to get funding for the wall. Um, what were your guys' thoughts during the shutdown? I personally found it ridiculous. It was 
a tantrum. Like, it was yep. a tantrum. Exactly. It, there was, I don't think there's any other way to describe it because nobody wanted to give him, at least nobody on the Democratic side wanted to give him that money. And I feel like during that entire part, he lost also a lot of his Republican backing because of that. Because, I mean, you got to know when to quit, kind of, mm-hmm. I feel like. And he he was being so stubborn on trying to deliver in this promise that it caused that huge issue. Yeah, I was going to say, five-year-old having a tantrum, he wasn't getting his way. And he's supposed to be this great businessman who's so good at making deals and... It seemed more that he was just like, oh, I'm not getting my way. Okay, well then, I'm taking this away from you guys. Haha. Yeah, piggybacking off of what Karina was saying, um, it's kind of worth remembering that a, around a year ago, there was talk about a, wall, a deal for the wall with Chuck Schumer, and Chuck Schumer had been willing to give more money, um, I think $25 billion for the wall. And, um, in exchange for legalization yeah. uh, for dreamers, a pathway to citizenship. Um, and he talked so much about how he's this great deal maker, um, but was just absolutely not willing to yeah. give anything in return um, exactly. and was just holding 800,000 federal workers hostage for like two pay periods. Yeah. So the new negotiations um, ended up I, with obviously less money than uh, Trump intended, but um, both sides claimed they won the negotiations. Democrats say he didn't get as much money as he hoped. Um, Trump called it a down payment for his wall. I mean, what are your thoughts on the whole like who won side like negotiation thing? Well, I mean, America definitely didn't win because you know he's calling. He's using this to get his to fund his wall that he wants now. He declared state of emergency, and thankfully there are 16 states that have sued him in court for it. But setting a precedent like that—that that when you don't get your way, Congress is responsible for how money is spent. That is their powers. That's powers that have been delegated to Congress. You can't just because you didn't get your way go, okay, now I'm just declaring state of emergency. And his whole thing is based around the argument that drugs are coming in and he's trying to protect the American people. But that's not even mainly where the drugs are coming in. It's the ports. It's the ports. So it's it's just a lot of, you know, circling back around and around and around, but none of it makes sense yet. That doesn't seem to matter to people. And I just blows my mind. So jumping to the national emergency, um, 16 states are currently suing him, plus mm-hmm. a bunch of nonprofits and a bunch of mm-hmm. uh, private landowners on the border. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that Trump is going to be able to win when it comes to the Supreme Court regarding this issue, or do you think that uh, he has no standing? I'd like to think that he wouldn't, because in reality, there is no standing, personally my view but um the fact that there's so much republican backing there when it comes to that it's very difficult to see what's going to happen actually because i mean these states that sue you never know you really never know where it's going to go so um you talked about the the scapegoating of illegal immigrants for a lot of um issues that are happening like they're violent, they're bringing in drugs, things like that. Um, how do you think that 
the media has uh, influ- influenced that kind of fear mongering? Do you think they've been trying to like? I don't think it started with the media. Um, it's always been in America's history a scapegoating of a certain type of ethnic group. Um, if you think about just with two thousand nine eleven with Muslims and stuff like that, it's it's just always been a part of our history. It's always been a reality. So it's just it it sadly it just doesn't seem to be going away and it seems that that's just something that's easier for people to do. And instead of accepting responsibility and looking in on them. And I think that Trump really knew what he was doing when he ran. I think he was preying on people's weaknesses and their fears. I would just add that sometimes, like, the framing, even just of the headlines and how you talk about undocumented immigrants can play a big deal of, like, if you're calling people illegal immigrants. Um, I know there's a lot of undocumented groups, like Define American, who have been pushing for mainstream news organizations to kind of not call people illegal, arguing that that's, that helps demonize people. And I think even not even just talking about more right-wing anti-immigrant um, news sites, even just looking at mainstream news sites, how much you're humanizing people, how much um, crossing the border, which is a misdemeanor, it's not a criminal offense. Um, it's a civil offense. So I, I think just thinking, keeping some of those things in mind when you're reading news sites and also for people who are actively making news. Going back to what you guys were saying about um, how Trump really just knows what he's doing when he's playing on these fears that people have had for decades. Um, so do you think that he is just doing this right now as a stunt for the elections or do you think he like truly believes this yeah no i definitely think that it 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 very well could be but i i also believe with you know some of his actions that he he does believe in this and he does like want to see this through um whether it's to save face or whether it's you know to to further his political agenda and, and, and get a re-election in 2020, but... Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I remember seeing news reports not that long ago from the New York Times that were claiming that some of his campaign managers had included build the wall in the beginning as just, like, for him to remember to include immigration in, like, his speeches. During yeah. Which, so, I mean, I don't know the veracity of that, but it... Um, I'm not sure how much it matters either way. The effect is still the same. Exactly. It's um, crazy, yeah. It's very true. Um, yeah, and it, it was just this big, unrealistic, racist promise that he's kind of stuck with now. So how do you guys think this is going to affect the 2020 elections? I personally think, especially after Trump and, and the way this that emergency, he's handled immigration, I think immigration is going to be much bigger than it's been in the past couple of elections. Well, I mean, the last election was definitely big on immigration, exactly. too. But es- especially since what he, you know, when he lost, essentially, with um, the new bill that was signed. But I definitely think that's what they're going to jump yeah. on. Because I think it's about what people react to the most. And I yes. think it's just such polaring sides with this issue. And I definitely think that the Democrats are thinking, 
okay, what can we do to really, you know, make it so that nobody from our side, even independent people who are in the middle, want to vote for him? Like, what is the issue that's really going to divide and make it so that they're on our side? So I think they're really trying to find that one issue that will really get Democrats and even independents on their side. And I feel like immigration and the wall, and especially because it's still, it does have to do with money too, because it is, you know, so I think that that'll be the issue. So what stance, in your opinion, do you believe that um, the opposition to Donald Trump needs to take in these upcoming elections to garner that support? I personally hope that they are also strong on immigration, specifically um, bringing up, like, human rights, um, the, like, human rights of the families that were separated at the border, some of whom have still not been reunited. Um, I think we really shouldn't be forgetting a lot of the atrocities that have occurred under immigration, both with temporary um, protected status, a lot of these groups being targeted, as well as DACA students um, or DACA recipients. I think um, I would hope that Democrats would respond in kind with kind of a full-throated defense of these groups and also um, a pathway to citizenship. I think the DREAM Act should be a big discussion. Um, It definitely was about a year ago. I I would hope that um, that would be a big part of any, the Democratic nominees platform. I I agree very much with what you said. Um, I think that especially the human rights, we can't just forget that sometimes because these things aren't in the media anymore that they're not happening. And and that's very true. There are families that still haven't been reunited. There are still, and even though it might not be reported, but it's still there. It's still happening. So um, Democratic candidates definitely have to think about that. And yeah, a pathway to citizenship for, for uh, DACA recipients and DACA students and immigration just in general. In general, in yeah. general a, very, a very, very strong stance on that. Because if, if Trump has been able to pull off a, a strong, you know, immigration stance, why, why can't a Democrat yeah. do it? But in the other direction. I would also, sorry, I would just also add that um, you see some of the beginnings of that with the most recent budget deal. Um, I wish they had gone a little further, but um, one of the things that uh, House Democrats pushed for was that um, for the money set aside for DHS that ICE cannot um, use that money to go after sponsors of um of children that they are releasing specifically like family members of the undocumented minors if they come forward to claim them that ICE can't be going after that and I think that's like a significant thing because that was something that had been happening um there's also been some of the freshmen um congress men and women on the democratic side like um Ocasio-Cortez um and Ayanna Presley have been pushing for more oversight of of ICE um, and for not increasing the budget and perhaps even defunding parts of it, um, which I think would be a good thing. Mm-hmm. So would you guys think that negotiating um, for some of these things is worth giving up money for the wall? That's an internal debate I've been having myself. <laughs> yeah. Because, I mean... I would benefit, for example, uh, as a doctor recipient, if they were to pass the DREAM Act, mm-hmm. something like that that gave a pathway to citizenship. But at the same time, it's like, 
do I really want money to go towards something that, you know, besides the fact that it wouldn't help make this country more secure in, in, in what, as we were saying before, and everything that Trump is saying that's happening, the wall wouldn't really help fix all that. Um, but it, it's an internal debate that I still, that I'm still having, and I, I'm leaning more towards, I don't think it's worth it, in the sense, like, I, I don't believe that we should give up money for the wall. I think there can be another way. Because the wall, I feel like, it's it's more what it stands for than than what it actually will do. Yeah. It, it, it stands for the divide. It stands for, you know, you're not from here. You're not American. You're not welcome. You're yeah. not welcome. So I don't think we should compromise or, or settle. Yeah, I would, um, obviously I'm a citizen. Um, I'm not, I'm not in the shoes of a lot of DACA recipients. So it's like a really hard choice to make. That's like, I can't say one way or the other. I would just say that a lot of undocumented groups like United We Dream, um, in the past when there have been deals proposed that have included wall money, um, they, as well as legalization and a pathway to citizenship for DACA recipients, they have at times rejected them. Um, mm -hmm. And it would seem to be like, why would they do that? But if you look closer, um, there's a lot of, they are kind of considering from the entire undocumented community, not just DACA recipients. That, yeah, That's a huge thing because, for example, I, I think about my parents. I think about friends my parents' friends, and I think about people that I know that would be affected, or even thinking about stories of people that I know have come here and have risked a lot of things to, to be here, so it it does have, that's that's very, very true. There's it, It's more than just about us and our, yeah. our group of people. Yeah, because we're very close with someone who is here Ill illegally yeah. and wasn't able to do DACA, because exactly. he was like, what, a year off, I think? A year off or something. Yeah. Um, yeah, I also have a friend who's yeah. in that situation. Yeah. So it's, there are, and there are a lot of people like that. And yeah. it's, but at the same time, they were still here young. It didn't mean they weren't young. They just weren't able to register. And it's there just, the cutoff. we yeah. need to, I think in general, we need to make it easier. The whole becoming a citizen, like citizenship easier in general. Um, but it, yeah. Immigration itself, the whole immigration system here has to be looked at it, it's very personally i think it's very outdated mm -hmm. and um we we do need a reform whether i mean i'm not being as dramatic as like for for everyone in amnesty but there does need to be a reform and something looked at to to make it easier for people that that want to live here that want to to make their lives here and that want to actually contribute and be good citizens of this country. The Trump administration, and particularly Stephen Miller, one of the advisors, has been really purposeful in the past about pitting different undocumented groups against each other, yeah. um, people with temporary protected status against people with DACA, um, people who would have gotten citizenship through the diversity visa lottery, um, which um, affects a lot of like black and African immigrants of very much like you can't have it all like we're going to pit these groups against each other. And I think for the most part, a lot of the mainstream 
big undocumented groups have kind of said no to that so far. Yeah, um, which is great. Yeah. Do you agree that we need more border security? And if not, then what are some other solutions? I mean, when it comes down to it, unfortunately, we can't let everyone in. Um, and I do think that if we had a better process and we made it easier for people to become citizens and to get it, have access to this country, if there was a way we could do that, that'd be great because people seem to forget we are a country of immigrants. I do think maybe there is a problem, and but I don't... Who's to say, though, it's border security that's the problem? Maybe it really is just our laws that are the problem. The fact that we seem to prefer, you know, straight, white, rich people to come to this country. Because it's not that we're anti-immigrant, we're anti-specific types of immigrants. That's something to make sure to remember and to know. Very, very true. And I think, you know, for people, they're so quick to say, oh, that's not true, those are the ones who don't take our jobs. But when it comes down to it, it's racist. It has... A deeper meaning and a lot of things need to be fixed and a lot of things need to be done. I think we could benefit from some more border security. Not 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 a wall. Not something as divisive as as that. There could be more agents. There could be more ways of uh, other ways of preventing other people trying to get into the country that are actually trying to do harm. Uh, we, we also you know forget that a lot of these people, I fortunately, being from Costa Rica, have somewhere to go back to, but people that are running from gang violence, people that are running from people that are threatening them, you know, you join this band or we will kill you, uh, this gang, or we will kill you. These people (laughs) don't have anywhere to go back to. But like Karina was saying, maybe if we made things easier for, you know, those kinds of people, it would be less of an issue yeah i think um i think a better solution than building a border wall would be um i don't think we need more like criminalization of communities at the border but um particularly right during the when the care vet was coming and there was a lot of media attention there was a lot of reactions strong reactions um to people coming i think it's very much the way our laws are set up, are, it was a very much a like manufactured crisis, um, and yes. the, if we saying like it was overwhelming the system and there was border control people out, like slowing down the number of people who could let in, um, making it take longer and seem more chaotic. I think then if a better solution would be to have more counselors, to have more um, people to process people who are claiming asylum and I think we need to be more realistic about the fact that this isn't a problem that's going to go away. There there are people fleeing from Central and South America, a lot of gang violence um, and a lot of, for various reasons that are migrating to the U.S. Um, It's an annual thing that happens Um, and some of these countries it's very much a direct result of U.S. interventionism um, Mm -hmm. beforehand and I think a more responsible and a more successful response to that would be um, to, in a kind of idyllic world, there would be kind of more care workers, more asylum 
treaters and just like just more professionals rather than more guards working so now I'm going to wrap up to the final questions Uh, this podcast is all about um, why college students should care about these political issues so why do you think this affects college students and why do you think college students should care oh well there are plenty of that people don't even realize there are plenty of that I don't want to say illegal immigrants but people here that don't have their citizenship who are either a part of DACA who are like our friends who just missed DACA people here who want to stay here they feel more accepted here they're just here maybe on an education visa and they're gonna have to leave after um college is up and but they feel that this is their actual home and I think what people don't realize because so many people are afraid to tell people is that there are a lot of them. They are among us all the time. They might even be some of your closest friends, but they don't feel they can trust you. And they're terrified every single day that ICE is going to get them, that they're going to have to be rooted from what they consider their home and have to go back to a place that they haven't been to since they were five years old. You know, it's, it's an everyday reality or people who are graduating and are thinking, I can't get a job right now because I was brought here when I was really young and I don't have citizenship. I don't know what my next step is. I don't know what to do. I, you know, and they're just trying to live their lives and they're trying to be, like you said, good citizens. And there's just this block after block. And there's really a point where they can't move they can't do any move forward at all. There's nothing in the laws that are letting them do that. So it's just, it's important. It, are, it is people around us and in our age group and that I'm sure a lot of us do care about. I, I agree. I think that, you know, besides the fact that we're going out into the world, the world, once we graduate, the world is ours in the sense, you know, we, we can impact it any way we want. wherever we work and we need to be informed before we before we make opinions and before we decide you know what we follow what we don't and I think that you know especially nowadays it's very people seem to not be so informed before making a decision (laughs) on their opinion so I think that you know it, it is important for us to know about these things that that are happening besides the fact that you know for, for citizens that can vote they should know everything before they do because like she said we're we're all around people that are citizens for example me as a DACA student like I I don't remember anything from my country like I remember maybe my grandmother's house which is where I spent the last couple of months before coming but that's about it like I I consider this my home I don't and and if if I were to leave if I were to leave at Costa Rica I I would start completely new as a tourist and like even though I have all my documentation there and everything I know that you know everything is fine but like at at, at my heart I I I feel American because I I I was born here in in the sense you know I I grew up here I was I started kindergarten here and I, I went through the entire school system at the same school district, like these things, you know, and I know a lot of people in similar situations. And I think 
we have to be conscious of the fact that America has changed, that America is not the same in the sense it, it's not only for the white, straight male. There's, there's much more minorities included, and, and we, our laws need to change according to that. And I feel that the only way we can do that is if college students inform themselves and know what they're voting for. Yeah, um, just to piggyback what um, both of them have said, I would just add that DACA is a issue that inherently um, affects a lot of people our age um, or who are in their very early 30s. Mm -hmm. It's very much it affects youth. Um, and it affects people primarily our age. Um, and I think Stony Brook is a very diverse, it's a very international community. Um, and I think just being more aware and more informed and caring about what happens to your fellow Seawolf um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. is all a good thing. <laughs> well, thank you guys so much. I really appreciate your input. No, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's it for this episode. I'm Sarah Ruberg. Thank you to Karina Gary, Melissa Asofefa, and David Clark. Talk Newsy to Me is produced by Eliza Cosme. If you want to be on Talk Newsy to Me or have a topic you want to pitch, email multimedia at sbstatesman.com. For more statesman content, head over to sbstatesman.com or pick up the paper on a newsstand near you.